Okay, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, goofballs, scumbags, and everybody else in between, uh, whether you were at home in this New York cold, it's brick season, or you were down uh, in Mexico handling big business, a la my man Spence, we'll get to that in a second. This is the Football Misfits, home of the Footballing Misfits, episode 157. I am your host with the most, LV, a.k.a. Paper Fronto, a.k.a. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, a.k.a. Buck Nasty, a.k.a. League Leader in the Football Misfits Prediction Cup as it stands. Early days, the sad Spurs fan. Yay! Not here nor there. Yes. <laughs> with that being said... Um, of course, this would not be the Football Misfits without the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Misfits himself, the man who does it all. He's done it all, and he continues to do it all. He was out there this weekend on a cold uh, Saturday evening uh, on locationing, if you will. I know him by many a thing, but I definitely know him as Ronnie, as does he, according to his birth certificate. Ronnie, say what's good for the one time. What's good for the one time? Um, Still recovering from... From uh, the chopped ass lips I got from that friendly, um, but shouts to Blistex. Stay strong, be brave, <laughs> and the bags of chips, no doubt. Uh, Bruh, disrespectful. Son. <laughs> and speaking of disrespectful, Starbucks. His name is Ron, not Juan. Fix it, fix it. I was gonna say that for BS Louis, but yes. <laughs> Nasty business. Uh, speaking of business. Our man at the data desk, the one, the only, Spencer Tino Perez, the Spencyclopedia Britannica, Spencer Povich, he'll catch you in them lies. But not this week. He's out and about, as I mentioned at the top, down in Mexico doing what uh, he does best, spending money and uh, saving money for the big, the big businesses in football. Woohoo! Um, yeah, man, I think he was um, instrumental in bringing the World Cup out there. With all the fun that he's acquired, if you will. Yeah, had, had to make an appearance, you know, uh, put a name to the face, if you will. But uh, as we said, Big Data Desk will not be here tonight to Data Desk us. And you know what that means? I'm going to be giving skewed stats all evening, neither here nor there. And with that being said, Mr. Misfits, Ronnie, I love to ask you this question. I think I know where we're going to start. But let me ask it anyways. Where would you like to start? Belgian fifth division. Let's go. I couldn't wait for that. I couldn't wait. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> we kid because we care. Uh, I think it's only, I mean, it's obvious. It was a Champions League week, and uh, let's start there. The last time we had Champions League, it was pretty lackluster. And the fact that the teams who are playing this week played each other the last Champions League week it felt less lackluster, a lot more shots, a lot more gold, a lot more excitement this time around. Yeah, I think you said it best. Um, the previous uh, match week, match day three, I believe, it was very much uh, as a scheduled programming. The favorites favored it, if you will, and the underdogs did not. Now, this past week, however, as they played each other again, be it at home or away, depending on how it went the week before, we got some results, and we definitely got some changing of places in the different groups. 
uh, a lot of results went here, there, and everywhere. And uh, we were in attendance to enjoy uh, the chaos, if you will, that was the Champions League this uh, past week. I think there is only one place to begin, in my opinion, and that's uh, the sad story that has become Newcastle United. The Toons, who came into this uh, match week uh, feeling high and mighty, um, despite their loss to BBB the previous camp uh, match day, uh, with a chance to go top of the table, if you will, or at least put up some points and give themselves a run in this last half of the Champions League group stage, did nothing of the sort, as we can officially say, after two wins from uh, BBB, that BBB has Newcastle's number. Mm, look at that. BBB won nothing over Newcastle United. Um, the sad case of Newcastle United, huh? Um, could it be that, or could it be just, you know, every team having poor form in different times of the season and for uh, Newcastle now? I think uh, that's a good question, but I think the beauty of the Champions League and sometimes the terror of the Champions League, as some teams will call it, uh, is that it's not like the World Cup in that you get a, a group stage and you play three games and that decides how you advance or, or lack thereof. This is uh, basically two group stages in one. You play each match home and away, and you really got to commit to it midweek after playing domestically. And I've said this a million times in this podcast and in conversations outside of this podcast, depth is so key because injuries are going to creep up on your team and the cohesion that you have in your entire squad, let alone your first 11, is paramount uh, in this Champions League, especially in the group stage. And Newcastle, after finishing high and fly, uh, in the Champions League position last season. They're on the rise. Eddie Howe's doing a great job. The front office is signing a bunch of good players. Sandro Tonali, you would have been missed, neither here nor there. Um, But Newcastle, I think, are feeling the effects of having to have depth, playing in Europe, and not only playing in Europe, but playing in the big boys' competition, something that me as a Spurs fan has seen time and time and time again. It'll come to get you at some point, and it looks like, like you said, uh, it's fighting Newcastle right now. Um, in this group stage. And unfortunately for them, that leaves them in fourth place after four games. Uh, they've got two more to rectify this. And they're, they're going to have to play out of their minds in these next two fixtures against PSG and AC Milan, both of which um, duked it out as well this week. So a lot left to be seen left in this group. But Newcastle are going to have to be playing their best football um, in the next couple of weeks. And despite uh, and unfortunately for them, the injuries that they've uh, suffered over the past couple of weeks and the form that they find themselves in, uh, not a good time to slump. Not a good time. Yeah, because it is crunch time in the group stage. And in the league, in the Premier League, they've not been the greatest. But they were able to beat Manchester United in the League Cup. And they did lose to Burnmouth this week. So it's up and down. Yeah, I, th- I think that's two losses on the spin for them. Losing to Bournemouth this week, like you said. Lost to Nottingham Forest last weekend, I believe, um, if my math is correct. Um, actually, let me look that up before I lie. Before I lie. No data desk this weekend, y'all. Uh, Newcastle. So what does it matter if you lie? You're right, fam. No, no just, <laughs> just kidding. They beat Arsenal last weekend, so... Um, but yeah, the loss to Bournemouth this weekend is, uh, I guess, a testament to what their league form is looking like. But 
those injuries uh, and that depth you need in your squad to play in a European campaign, especially one that is, is as important as the Champions League, where at a certain point you need to justify your starting 11. Do you focus on the league campaign or do you focus on that Champions League match day at hand? And as if they somehow make it out of this group, which they still absolutely can, they're going to have to make that decision time and time again. Do I uh, put my best starting 11 for the league or do I focus on this knockout match? Not, not a group stage match anymore. But do I focus on this knockout stage match and place my best team midweek? So uh, the effects of the Champions League, I think, are settling in on this Newcastle team who is on the rise. But these are, as they call it, growing pains. Yeah. Uh, Niklas Fulkrug and Julian Brandt scored the goals for Borussia Dortmund in that one. Because of the group of death, you never know what, what's going to happen. None of these teams have qualified for the next round yet. It, this could be a group that comes down to the final match day, if anything. Milan and uh, PSG ended 2-1 in favor of AC Milan. Uh, Rafael Leal and Olivier Giroud scored. Yeah, those yeah. two goals came after uh, PSG thought they had something going with Milan Skriniar scoring hella early. The former Inter Milan man getting a little bit of, you know what I'm saying, uh, against his rival club, if you will. But that would not be enough as literally a few minutes later, Rafael Leao scored a light bicycle kick. I won't call it a full bicycle because it wasn't one of them joints. But scored a bicycle, and I think he was kind of unplayable on the day. PSG had to reckon with that. And another man who deserves his praise, hats off to him, that old man in football terms that is named Olivier Giroud. Um, Try saying that again, Jamie Carragher. Um, he had he had quite the game, showed his expertise, showed his experience, um, not only getting the goals, but, but playing an important role um, in that starting 11. Also, kudos to Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who carried that midfield as well, against a very formidable uh, PSG midfield uh, that includes that young boy, Warren Zaire Emery, who's, I think, 17. <laughs> 17 with a full goatee. I damn near didn't have a full goatee until I was 25. So um, I'm not saying anything about his age, but uh, double check that. Um, but big kudos to AC Milan in their midfield and the way they came out in this match. They had smoke for Donnarumma, and that energy uh, was very much present. <laughs> <laughs> what they call him? Donnarumma. Donnarumma. That energy was present uh, throughout the entire night at the San Siro. Uh, before the match, they were throwing those fake uh, that that fake money and gold bars. The money was marked as Dalaruma with his face on there. They have not forgotten what he's done to them and how he left them for PSG, who, as I, I know you argued plenty of time, did not need him when he left. Um, and- um, I don't know why, but when I saw them, like, first of all, if someone could send those dollar bills over, or if there's a way I could print those out, that'd be great. I would love to hang that on my wall. Anza, Mr. Krabs done in his in his in his house type shit. But that brings me to what I thought that was. <laughs> it sounds like uh the Mr. Krabs is Dollarama. <laughs> money, money, money. <laughs> and that's uh why uh Ruma left AC Milan apparently. And on this night it looked like a bad decision. Um AC Milan, as we know, who has made it further than PSG, at least in last year's campaign in, the, in Europe, um, 
on this night, it felt like it was, it wasn't business. It was personal. And uh, the... Uh, but despite that, PSG are still ahead of AC Milan in the table. They are. They, are, they absolutely are. AC Milan, I think this win, because uh, as we've mentioned, the, the group is drawing to a close. And every uh, point matters uh, in the last half of the group stage. That win propelled AC Milan out of last place and put them in the conversation to not only be able to top the group to finish things as they play BVB and Newcastle, um, but at least puts them in a position to qualify, if not for uh, the next round, uh, at least for uh, a Europa League berth. So they kind of, if they would have lost this match or drawn this match, they would have found themselves sitting in last place on three points or two points, which is nowhere you want to be after five, four matches played. Absolutely not. Um, but that takes care of Group F. Uh, group G now. That group is pretty much done. Man City and RB Leipzig are through to the round of 16. It's going to be a fight between Red Star and the Young Boys for who goes into the Europa League. Uh, City beat Young Boys 3 0. Phil Foden scored and Erling Holland had a brace. RB Leipzig defeated uh, Red Star Belgrade 2 1. This sounds like we saw what we saw. And let's keep it pushing, unless you had anything to say. No, yeah, you you uh, absolutely hit it on the head. Uh, one point uh, each uh, young boys have, as well as uh, Red Star Belgrade. Um, this seems like the Man City tune-up uh, matches, if you will. It's giving shades of um, Bayern Munich and how they normally perform in the Champions League group stages. How many points can we collect? And not only how many points can we collect, how many goals can we score? Uh, and how much can we put on these other teams that want to advance or compete in this big Champions League uh, group that we that we hold so highly in esteem, if you will? Um, and it also feels like the Jeremy Doku uh, preparation stage, if you will. <laughs> they're, they're allowing him to get into the side, Man City is, and letting him run riot and just show how much uh, how much of a capable player he is and how much he adds to the first eleven. So. Unfortunately, young boys had to deal with that, and and you know so have Red Star Belgrade. Uh, definitely a keep it pushing situation. City to advance, Leipzig to advance. Who cares who goes to the Europa League? They're probably not going to be favorites, to be honest with you. But we move, and we move to Group H, where we saw a bit of an upset, if you will, in that Shakhtar defeated Barcelona in Germany, one nothing. They sure did. Um, a big win for Shakhtar, um, you know, a club whose situation has been up and down and up in the air um, since, you know, the the conflict and the fights in uh, in Ukraine. So a win against Barcelona is as a as big a win against any team in this world. Uh, so kudos to them. And and again, uh, the last time Shakhtar beat Barcelona in this competition, being the Champions League. Uh, Barcelona went ahead and won the entire tournament. So, does Barcelona take away this loss as a huge bonus? I don't know, <laughs> but the stats. I are mean, there. that they could. They they wrap up hosting Porto and going to Royal Antwerp. Uh, they're still top of the table, and they hold the tiebreaker against Porto. Um, they should be able to make it out of this group top spot. Again, keyword should. Yeah. Could you see this? Nothing Barcelona is team? secure. Could you see this Barcelona team making a run? 
Uh, Are they dark horse material at the very least? It's crazy calling Barcelona a dark horse. Um, <laughs> they'll definitely make it to, I would say, quarterfinals tops. All depending on the draw. And I think if you make it to the quarterfinal, that's pretty good for this team that's relatively young, this whole class of ninth and 10th graders, and Robert Lewandowski. It it would be a, a, an achievement. Obviously, they're thinking win or bust, but I think a quarterfinal appearance would be suffice for Barcelona. Yeah. What they got to do is stop giving up goals early. <laughs> they tend to do that shit. Like, within the first 10, 15, 20 minutes of games, they'll give up goals only to have to fight back afterward. Yeah, definitely in Europe, they've been um, very much having to come from behind, which is never a position you want to be in unless you're coached by Sir Alex Ferguson, apparently. Um, and even domestically, Barcelona have not been putting up the goals until very late. They've been leaving things super late uh, on all fronts. And for them to compete on a level uh, that could see them make a run in this competition and be something more than a dark horse would t would mean that they'd have to kind of find that cohesion and that gelling that they've had uh from last season and i don't know if they're built off of that they do have a really interesting and exciting crop of young players uh Lewandowski, if he can stay healthy i think would only be an asset and he's got experience in this competition as well but i will say that with how chaotic the champions league has looked thus far i think there are you could probably assume that there are maybe, I would say, two or three teams that are considered true champion potential. And I think that leaves Barcelona in a space where they can make a run if they really find their form uh, come top of the year after the group stage is over. Um, so I wouldn't put it past them if they can make a deep run like AC Milan did last season and maybe even better. So I, I guess early hot take, I could see Barcelona make the semis. I could see Barcelona make the semifinals. Um, and I'll go with that. Does Porto or Shakhtar make it out with them? Uh, why not? We started, I started with a hot take. Let's go for another one. Shakhtar holds it down, gets Porto the fuck out of here, and advances into the knockout stages, as they're known to do, by the way. They are known to make it out to knockout stages. Uh, to wrap up the games that were on Tuesday, uh, Group E, um, Atleti are assured of at least a spot in the Europa League. They manhandled Celtic 6 nothing. They chewed them up and spat them back out. Braces from Griezmann and Alvaro Morata pretty much were defining Celtic. I, I mentioned the, the last time they played, Luis Palma, my Honduran scored. But they were dog shit against Atleti in Madrid. Meanwhile, Lazio defeated Feyenoord one nothing. Chiri Immobile. Felt like I haven't said that name in forever. Scored. Facts. Facts. A complete turnaround from the last time they saw Feyenoord. We talked about it on the last time we recorded. Oh, this group is sorry, control. But yeah, uh, those two matches as a whole were a complete 180 from the last time they met a couple weeks 100%, back. Hundred percent. Well said. And it just goes to show you just don't know what you're going to get on any given match day. Because uh, the last time they played, I could have saw Feyenoord play uh, Lazio ten times. And I think Lazio would lose 3-1 every single time. It was it was a complete disassembling uh, of Lazio uh, by Feyenoord. And uh, we saw a bit of 180, like you said, in, in this, uh, this uh, reverse fixture as Lazio held their own and did what they're known to do, played stout defense, 
control the ball um, and get out on the counter. And uh, Chiray Mobile doing what he used to be known uh, for, and that's putting the ball in the back of the net. So kudos to Lazio. A 1-0 win. You got to take that. This group is still very much alive, as you mentioned. Uh, Lazio is second place. Uh, something you would have never dreamed after seeing that match, <laughs> match day three, <laughs> lost to Feyenoord. But um, such as the Champions League, as Celtics hit bottom, bottom, bottom with no chance, it looks like. Well, there is a chance. Are they going to take it? Probably not. Probably not. Um, Feyenoord, I still bank on them being second. Mm. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the, uh, what do they say, as uh, facts change, opinions change. I'm going to go with the trending topic, and that's Lazio. I'm, I think Lazio, Lazio can go ahead and make something happen. Um, and this is completely just for argument's sake. We'll go Lazio second place. I think Atleti. Honestly, I I don't even know if Atleti can hold on to that number one spot because um, it, it's really just a matter of who plays Celtic next in this group, unfortunately, for Celtic. <laughs> fortunately for Celtic, it is Lazio. But, oh, no. Here we go. But you said it's the trending topic, if you will. There you go. It's trending. Trending. And the final are at home against Atleti. That'll be an interesting one, uh, one to watch. Atleti, who showed in the last uh, Champions League match week that they are kind of uh, letting – they took some uh, laxatives, if you will, because they were constipated, it felt like. Um, and they're finally getting the goals out. They're beating well, teams. Yogurt, probiotic. There you go. Yep, La Yogurt. Shout to La Yogurt. Sponsored by La Yogurt. Come on, guys. Um, no, don't put that on us. <laughs> what do you mean? It's a probiotic. Anyways. <laughs> um, but yeah, Atleti showing that they have the quality to put teams to the sword. And um, Feyenoord, as we've seen, has done the same in, in the Champions League and domestically, to be fair. So that should be an interesting one. But it could be a position for Lazio uh, to take some points and Maybe sneak their way up into the top spot. Who knows? Uh, we shall see. But Group E, definitely one to keep your eyes on at this moment. On to the Wednesday slate. And let's go alphabetically from A to D. Bayern defeated Galatasaray 2-1. Harry Kane scoring both goals. And all three goals came hella late. Hella late. If you watched that match from the first half and at least into the 70th minute, you would have been like, turn this shit off. Now, if you turned it off, you would have been sad to see, as Ronnie said, Goals aplenty. Uh, three goals scored in the last 15 or so minutes, two of which came from Harry Kane's big-ass head, something I've seen years upon years upon years. Um, continues to be a big game player for Bayern, continues to, to be the uh, to score the, the boatload of goals for them. Uh, two of them laid on to give Bayern the win, keep them unbeaten in Europe at the moment. That's 12 points from 12. And it's looking like business as usual for Bayern Munich. Although the actual 90 minutes would not have you feel that way, Bayern seem like they still need to kind of uh, find their form, at least in Europe, because they're not scoring goals aplenty like they used to, at least at this time in the group stage. Yeah, their GD is currently at five. Bayern teams of old, that number would be 42. <laughs> That's a fact. Uh, a lot of times uh, you'd see their GD be much higher than the points that they accrue. And as you mentioned, Bayern of old would win every game in the group stage. So that's a possible 18 from 18. And their GD would be somewhere in the realm of 42 and 65. So, <laughs> you know. But this group is relatively strong. 
you're not going to look at Copenhagen and Galatasaray as strong teams, but they're holding their own in this competition. The fact that they both beat Manchester United shows that. It's funny of you uh, of you to say that because if I remember correctly at the top of the uh, Champions League season when we saw the group stage, I think you said that uh, United could find themselves losing to both of those sides, and they sure did. They definitely sure did. And I, I saw Galatasaray in Manchester United, but I'm like, okay, yeah, they're going to lose that one. They always find a way to lose to a weaker team. Yeah. Copenhagen, I wasn't expecting that. But it happened on this match week, 4-3 in the parking. Um, if you're taking away positives, uh, Hoyland scored a brace. But as soon as he did that, Copenhagen dropped four. Yeah, I think this match was one of uh, was the it kicked off uh, the beginning of a chaotic footballing week, if you will, in my opinion. Uh, 4-3 the final score. Man United were absolutely in control of this match uh, until Marcus Rashford was sent off for uh, something or a foul that should never be a sending off, in my opinion. Uh, the refs, the rare time the refs in, in Europe at least get it wrong, you'd expect that from uh, the Premier League refs and the Premier League VAR. But Rashford sent off, and as soon as he was sent off, Eric Ten Hag's uh, team went to shambles. And that's been United's theme of the season. Any negative uh, thing that happens to them uh, really kind of sets the tone for their match. They aren't able to hold their heads up high. They kind of let them their momentum drop, and it goes to shit, as you said. So uh, they're up 2-0. Rasmus Hoyland with more Champions League goals this season than Premier League goals. Um, Bruno Fernandes with a goal, obviously, to make it 3-2 uh, three, three, at the time in favor of United. But uh, Copenhagen with two late goals, um, and it just felt like it was a complete drama, an entertaining affair. Uh, two late goals from Copenhagen again give United the uh, the defeat that uh, Eric Ten Hag just can't afford to have at the moment. Uh, his his seat seems to be heating up, but who knows with Man United's front office? Uh, but they lose four three, and in terms of the standings, that keeps them uh, in last place which, uh, oof, their final two matches to finish this group will be against uh, Galatasaray, who they've already lost to, and, of course, the behemoth that is known as Bayern Munich. So with that being said, uh, I ask you, Ronnie, does Man United find themselves uh, on to the knockout stage? It's still very, very much possible with one or two good results. Um, but, yeah, what do you think? Of the Europa League? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, no, nah, I think, man, you are done. I genuinely think that they're done in this competition because even if they win against Galatasaray, they could Galatasaray could probably still beat Copenhagen, and Manchester United are not going to beat Bayern at home. Like, it would have to take an act of God, even though the first time they met, we thought it was all Bayern, but that match ended up being on crap. Yeah, it was definitely one of those on-crack matches. And to be fair, Bayern have already qualified. So it could be a, 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 a situation in which Bayern don't necessarily go guns blazing in that match that they played and kind of just let the match play out as is. Uh, and Man United doing the exact opposite of playing all their best players in that, in that match day six. Perhaps. So a lot left to, 
a lot left to be assumed, but anything can happen, as we've seen in this Champions League this season. But, uh, yeah, if you had to bank on it, it looks like United are in turmoil, and they better not concede first because they seem to have been struggling when things do not go their way. They seem to be struggling when things go their way as well. Again, a 2 nothing lead before giving up four. <laughs> oh, shit. In my opinion, you got to give some uh, grace because, again, that Marcus Rashford sending off was should have never happened. Now, again... Uh, a complete capitulation after they went down to 10 men. Um, it was textbook. They, they they seemed to have given up in Copenhagen, took the momentum, but they looked in control. Uh, Hoyland looked great. Rashford was making good runs. They were in control. And as soon as they got the red card, uh, it was nothing but pity and whining. And maybe that's uh, this could be a, a conversation for another day, but Bruno Fernandes is captain. I don't know. I don't know. With that, let's go on to Group B. Hey, hey. Um, another Premier League, a Premier League club featured in this one, and it was Arsenal, uh, sweeping Sevilla. Uh, they won two nothing at the Emirates. Uh, Tossad and Bukayo Saka scoring the goals in that one, and uh, PSV Luke de Jong scored early, and it was suffice against Lons. Yeah, yeah, PSV for all the success that they're having in the in the Eredivisie. They have not dropped points at all. But in the Champions League, that might be their chink in the armor. Yeah, and uh, just like we mentioned with Newcastle at the top of this segment, uh, Europe is a conversation of depth and form and how you can mix those two together. And it's all about cohesion. And it's just a hard competition to, to I guess, uh, compete in and, and still compete at a high level unless you're one of those big sides that are used to it. And PSV are, are feeling the growing pains of that. Um, Arsenal, who bolstered their side this past summer and have a Champions League experience, um, seem to be weathering this group, which we mentioned uh, is a lot tougher than it looked on paper for the casual. Um, and I think PSV, Lons as well, are, are seeing the, the the struggle of that. Uh, Lons, who, who, when they played PSV, you know, were down 1-0 basically the entire match. But after the fact, really pushed for that goal that never seemed to come, but they had their opportunities, including late on, and they just couldn't get that goal, that ball over the, uh, over the, the net. And um, I think th- these results are just kind of showing a testament to how tough this group actually is. And, and I want to keep an eye on Arsenal, um, not just domestically, but also in Europe this season. Um, I just don't know. I don't know about them, but to give them a little bit of credit, They've been maneuvering in this group exactly how you should. Uh, a team that has experience in Champions League, despite them being one of the younger teams in Europe, period. Um, they're handling themselves like adults and allowing their biggest players to shine, i.e. Bakayo Saka, who scored on the day, as we mentioned. But uh, Groupie, the group that's tougher than it looks, guaranteed. Um, group... C. Uh, Real Madrid are through. That, I mean, we don't really have to go into that. Napoli and Union Berlin. That ended 1-1. Um, Napoli aren't through to the round of 16 just yet. Um, they play uh, Real Madrid. They're probably not going to clinch then. And uh, as for Union Berlin, a lot of expectations going into them. A lot of excitement. Maybe even hype. But they're, they've not had the best season. They could still make it to the Europa League. And in the Bundesliga, they're sitting bottom. 
I think you you hit it on the head. Um, this group to me, the takeaway is, and I think will continue to be, Union Berlin's uh, just unfortunate results. They really had some hope to start the campaign. They gave up a, a super late goal to Real Madrid. They then gave up a super late goal to Braga. And I think that just kind of shattered them in this group and they weren't able to recover. And so it's the sad story of Union Berlin, this this group um, that I've been paying attention to. It's really sucks to see they have been able to recover from their unfortunate sort of uh, outgoings in the first two matches. That seems to have carried on in their following two, which uh, they've yet to bag a win. They've got a draw, as we mentioned, to Napoli, but really hit with, a, with two haymakers and they've been dazed since the first two match weeks in and out. But such is the uh, Champions League group stage. Um, Union Berlin hopefully will have some more charge at this, but I don't know that they can recover, and, and it seems that that is the case, unfortunately. That's been the theme that I've been focusing on, at least. Yeah, it is unfortunate. Hope I I don't think they're going to get relegated. It's just that they're in relegation territory at the moment in time. Um, but I do uh, still have hope that they make it to the Europa League, but tough times in the German capital. Yeah, it's all bad. And on the other side, Real Madrid handling business as usual. We talked about clubs that have experience in the group stage and get things done. And obviously, Real Madrid is one of those in this competition, as we know. Um, my thing with them is that they seem to be only figuring things out more and more as the weeks go on. I'm afraid of putting them as maybe the potential favorite in this topsy-turvy season in the Champions League. It's a little early, and they've been kind of sneaking under the radar even though they made it to the final just recently as a team that was under the radar, if you will. Um, I don't want to let them do that anymore. Um, I am officially marking Real Madrid as a team that I am afraid of and that um, I I almost want to go as favorites to win this tournament. We shall see how things play out. The last group also is pretty much said and done. Real Sociedad washing Benfica and Inter Milan Leaving it late against Salzburg, but still finding the goal, courtesy of Lautaro Martinez on a penalty late. Real Sociedad, top of the group at the moment. Inter Milan are second. They are both into the round of 16. So it was pretty much a fight for Europa League between Salzburg and Benfica. Sociedad and Inter play on the final match today. That could determine who wins the group. The only thing I'll say about this group is that Sociedad have been so fun to watch. Uh, in the Champions League and domestically, to be fair. Uh, they score goals in a hurry, and they just have a side that controls possession so well, so fluid in attack. Inter Milan, they play attacking football. They are on the front foot. They just don't end up putting the ball in the back of the net, and I don't know if that's because of Lautaro Martinez, who gets chances on chances. It hasn't been finishing, to be fair. But two interesting sides, two interesting attacking sides. I really like Sociedad this season, though. Inter Milan um, might pick up form as they do when they eventually start to put the ball in the back of the net, because everything else is, is there for them. Uh, it's just the goal and the end product that they've been lacking, and they just got to find it quicker. And lucky for them, as they did last season, um, they picked it up as late as it gets and found themselves in the Champions League final. So um, we'll see if they can recreate that, you know, that sort of form in midway through the season. But at the moment, it's not there. And for Sociedad, it is. So I'm happy to see Sociedad playing well. I hope they win the group, to be fair. I'd like to see them carry on into the knockouts and see where they could end up um, as a potential darling in this tournament. You and I both. I am really hopeful that they do end up in the top of the group. 
um, come the end of it. And I somehow feel like they will be. So if we're doing our arithmetic, we have one, two, three, four, six clubs through to the round of 16. And Bayern are the only team to go through as the group winner. Speaking of maths, um, the top scorer chart at the moment in the Champions League group stage is very interesting. None of no players from the, the quote unquote favorites are among the top. Uh, at the top at the moment is Luke de Jong uh, with seven goals, which is interesting to see. Uh, if you want to say a quote unquote big club with a big name, uh, Atletico Madrid have Alvaro Morata in third place on five goals, uh, and. Yeah, very interesting to see at the moment. Pretty interesting. I feel like that's not going to say this that way, though. But it's football. You never know. It is football, indeed. But I think that should do it for the Champions League. Obviously, there will be a break, uh, the international break coming up, and Champions League football will resume to conclude the group stage uh, at the end of November, which we'll be excited to cover and see uh, how things turn out. Um Shall we move on to the Europa League? Whoa. <laughs> uh, also in this uh, competition, uh, we're starting to see teams qualify for the knockout stage as well. Um, Atalanta, Real Betis, Bayer Leverkusen as well. Um, of the matches on the week, though, um, I think the biggest one, had to be Liverpool's defeat to Toulouse in France. That match ended 3-2 in favor of the French club. Uh, LV, thoughts? Yeah, uh, the theme of chaos in the midway footy and just kicking things off into the weekend uh, continued through with this uh, this game on Thursday. Uh, no Mo Salah in the lineup, uh, the starting lineup at least. Uh, he would make an appearance off the bench. Uh, Toulouse really brought it to uh, Liverpool even until the last minute where Liverpool would score, but I believe that wouldn't be enough. 3-2, the final score. Big up to Toulouse who really came in and and put in some work uh, to get this win against this Liverpool team who I have called the um, considerable favorite in this tournament alongside Bayer Leverkusen, if you will, but um, a really good win for, for Toulouse. Liverpool, again, just rotating the squad to be fair to them. So I don't want to read too much into it, but a win is a win is a win in the group stage, uh, putting Toulouse in second place right now and, and in a position to find themselves in the, in the knockouts. They're still top of Group E. Liverpool should still be like firmly into the round of 16. No one has qualified directly yet, but Liverpool should still be good enough to where they make it into that position. Uh, Bayer Leverkusen is a team that is not going to stop. Facts. They are 12 points, top of Group H, ahead of Karabakh, Molde, and Hacken. Uh They won as well on Thursday. They defeated Karabakh. Um, not much to really say there, but Leverkusen, like we said last time, they're probably the class of the Europa League. If it's not Liverpool, they're the favorites. Yeah, Leverkusen look great. And we talk about teams that are fun to watch. We mentioned Sociedad. Uh, I think Leverkusen are probably among the top of teams that are so enjoyable to watch this season all across Europe and across world footy. 
just fluid attacking football. Uh, Boniface has been Victor. Is it Victor Boniface? Victor Boniface has been getting goals left, right, and center. Um, and I, I love me some Flo, uh, Florian Verts. Um, Chevy Alonso's got his boys playing incredible attacking football, fluid football. You love to see football. I think they're basically entering must-watch uh, TV type of football. So if you can get a chance, catch you a Leverkusen game. See what they're about. Uh, this Leverkusen team seems to be for real. Elsewhere in the Europa League, uh, Roma lost their friendly to Slavia Praha 2-0. Uh, uh, <laughs> what are the chances that uh, Jose Mourinho lost that on purpose? Just to make a statement. If that's the case, then you fucked up on Sunday, ending ending the derby zero zero. If that's what you meant to do, I could definitely see Jose Mourinho doing that, make a statement, and then yeah, you, your plan backfired, Ben. Yeah, his plan definitely backfired because I bet he wanted to go and beat uh, Lazio, and it didn't quite work out. So. Uh, not not quite, but yes, they lost two nothing to uh, Slavia. Brighton beat Ajax. No surprises there. And it's crazy how we're in a point where Brighton beating Ajax is not a surprise. That was one match that I definitely caught in the uh, in the Europa League this past week. Just wanted to see what Ajax were about, what they were doing. And it was a whole lot of nothing uh, in that 90 minutes at least. Brighton put them to the sword. It looked pretty straightforward from them, to be fair. And Ajax gave a whole lot, a whole lot of nothing. Um, you want to give a big shout out to uh, Simona Dringa or Dingra, the young boy for Brighton. Where do y'all keep finding these young talents, bro? Like, what? Who do you guys know? It's unbelievable. And uh, a drink, a Dingra is just another one who performed also at the weekend in the Premier League. But goodness, Brighton, y'all, how do you do it? How do you do it? I still think they will somehow, some way, overtake Marseille. Top of that group, Marseille, they beat Ike Athens in Greece. Um, but I think Brighton are capable enough to beat uh, Glas uh, to beat Marseille. Um, Brighton go to Greece and match day five. Marseille host Ajax, those could be wins, and it'll come down to the final match day. Would you look at that? I forget West Ham is in this sometimes. They uh had Lucas Pacata help them out against Olympiacos in London. Also in their group, Freiburg watched their opposition from uh, where they're from, uh, Serbia. Five nothing. Five nil ass open by Freiburg, uh, putting them in level on points with West Ham, um, defending Conference League champions. Uh, I can't wait for the knockouts to start in the Europa League. Bring those teams in from the Champions League. Let's get to cooking. Yes. But there's still plenty of interesting games left in the Europa League. And a lot of them might be determining who makes it directly to the round of 16 and who goes into that Champions League playoff. Um, Conference League, real quick. Uh, Hauk and Eintracht Frankfurt are through. I mean, have assured places of, at the very least, the Conference League knockout. Also, uh, Club Brugge of Belgium, and that seems to be it. I also forget that Aston Villa is the English team in this competition. They're sitting second to Legia Warsaw. And our good Bensa update, Ferenc Varos sits second in this group. 
uh, behind Fiorentina. Uh, what did they do in this week? They drew to Genk, 1-1. Um, on to the weekend. And I believe one match reigned supreme. Uh, we're talking about that match in the Premier League? Oh my gosh, yes. Uh, that match in the Premier League. Uh, Manchester United versus Luton Town. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Brighton Sheffield United draw. That one would have been the one, neither here nor there. Kidding. Burnmouth, Newcastle. <laughs> of course. So definitely, <laughs> definitely not Aston Villa Fulham. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Let's cut the tomfoolery and get to Manchester City away to Chelsea because that match was absolute drugs. Chaos. Chaos reigns supreme. <laughs> Literally back and forth game. Haaland scores. Thiago Silva counter. Raheem Sterling scores. Manuel Akanji scores to equalize 2-2. Second half starts. Haaland scores off the rip. And Nicholas Jackson, who we'll get to later, scores. Rodri scores late on, and we think that is it. But then Chelsea are awarded a penalty. And Cole Palmer scores against his old club. Club that he barely played for. 4-4 result at the bridge. A high-flying match. Very contested. One of the matches of the season, a lot of people are saying. How did this match end 4-4 is my question. Chelsea just find themselves in the most entertaining, chaotic fixtures. Almost a week removed from their match against Spurs, where Nico Jackson found himself scoring a hat trick, God knows how. Um, and in this match here at home at Stamford Bridge, where Chelsea uh, found themselves playing Spurs and City uh, amongst you know their next few matches, where it could have gotten really bad for Pochettino, it has now turned into uh, four points from a hellish run of fixtures thus far. Um, so much to take away from this Chelsea-Man uh, City match. Cole Palmer against his old club, just absolutely balling in the 90 minutes. Goodness gracious. Uh, Pochettino and Pep Guardiola yet again. You know there's always chaos when those two find each other. Uh, a la his time at Spurs, as I remember so vividly. Um, Thiago Silva becoming the oldest goal scorer in the Premier League with his goal in the first half. That man is still here. Goodness gracious. And his hair looks great to be fair to him. Um, so much, so much happened. Uh, Erling Holland scoring with his dick. His <laughs> his, yep, that's right. <laughs> um, uh, just so much happened. I just don't even know where to begin <laughs> in this match. Uh, before 4-4, the final score, an entertaining fixture for a neutral. It could have been anybody's match, depending on where you looked at it. Chelsea definitely left it as late as it gets as Cole Palmer got that penalty and slotted it in against his old club in the 90 plus fifth um, typical classic Premier League Sunday match, box office stuff. You love to see it. I love to see it. Um, and it keeps the Premier League race uh, on and popping. It keeps the top four race on and popping. And it keeps Chelsea uh, in a really good run of form, it seems, in, the, in their last two. And who knows what that could turn into. They obviously still sit in the bottom half of the table, the top of the bottom half, or the bottom of the top half, sorry in 10th place uh, for, for City, a chance to extend their lead uh, would not be possible. It's now Liverpool and Arsenal breathe down their necks. Spurs 
went from being top of the table to fourth. Fuck, how the cookie crumbles. Um, vintage Premier League stuff. I loved every second of it. And you hit it on the head. The question is, how did this match finish 4-4? <laughs> Woo! Yes. Um, but since you mentioned Spurs, my thing is, how do they respond to the injury that they suffered as well as dropping from first to fourth? Ah, yes. The lovely segment we like to call LB's Spurs Soapbox. Uh, let me get up on it here. <clears throat> Cue the sad music. Um, it, is, it has been quite the season for Spurs, their first 10 matches in the league. Incredible run of form from the new coach, Ange Postacoglu, who we've talked about on this podcast numerous times for his very direct press conferences and his very, very direct style of play uh, against Chelsea on Monday, where Spurs ended up losing 4-1. Uh, the scoreline was not half of the story of uh, the match itself, as Spurs had two players sent off and two key players injured. Van de Ven, Mickey Van de Ven, the young Dutch center back star, let uh, seems to be out for quite some time, according to Big Ange in his most recent press conference. Uh, more of the same for James Madison, whose injury uh, seems to have turned out worse than expected. He will also be out until at least the new year. Two key pieces for Spurs in the way that they play, and that fixture against Chelsea where Pochettino made his return to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It could not have been any more Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, just a curse fixture. It was too good to be true this season, and uh, that kind of brought Spurs fans back to reality. And more of the same would happen against Wolves away at the Molyneux, where Spurs were up 1-0 the entire match, only to concede two late goals, a la Antonio Conte's last days, uh, with Eric Dyer and Ben Davies at the back. Ugh. That gave me a stomachache at 7.30 in the morning, Eastern Standard Time. Why did I even watch that game? Who knows? Spurs, with no losses all season, uh, get two losses in a calendar week. Jesus. Um, and they find themselves in fourth place. Uh, and the season could be unraveling for uh, Ange Postacoglu's men unless he's able to right the ship. Now, if you were if you were a Spurs fan or a football fan who was being realistic, could assume that this is the growing pains of a new coach in a new system where injuries can happen and that there should have been no expectations placed upon their season. Now, with that being said, that blistering start of the season that they had probably swept up a couple of Spurs fans. I'm not going to say that I'm one of them, but I'm not going to say that I'm not one of them. And we're back down to earth, if you will. We shall see what Spurs' rest of the calendar year turns out to be. Uh, just to give a quick update on who they will be playing, if you're counting, they do have Aston Villa next after the international break, followed by Manchester City, followed by West Ham in the midweek, followed by Newcastle United. Now that is what you call a murderer's row of fixtures, especially with those injuries that they have. Where could Spurs see themselves before uh, the year of our Lord 2023 is over? Who knows, but it could get ugly and it could get ugly fast. Buckle up, y'all. And that's LV Spurs Soapbox. The last time Spurs had to buckle up, you said those jerseys were trash. Terrible jerseys. Why did they even do that? Under Armour, shame on you. Shame. I was a fan, but neither here nor there. And that is your Sad Spurs update um, featuring sad music. Elsewhere in the Prem, we did see Newcastle United lose to uh, Burnmouth, which we already discussed. Um... That's where my views on the weekend, by the way. 
Liverpool beat Brentford 3-0. Mo Salah brace, actually, as a matter of fact. We didn't speak about Luis Diaz scoring against Luton Town and the emotional scenes that brought when he unveiled uh, free uh, freedom for his pops, which, uh, positive update, he is now free. Um, we love to see that. Um, and within all of that news, Mo Salah scoring his brace uh, took him over the 200-goal threshold uh, in England. Uh, so that's all competition, I'm assuming. Big ups to him. He's been part of Liverpool's foundation of excellence over the last couple of years, and he continues his fine, fine form. So kudos to him, kudos to Liverpool. And as you mentioned, kudos to Luis Diaz and his family being reunited. That's been a rough, rough couple of weeks, uh, I'd assume, for the Colombian superstar. And we're happy to see that, that that's happened. That is very much true. Yeah. Um, I got one last Premier League tidbit, if you like. Uh, I do as well. Where are we going? I want to put some lenses on Everton, speaking of Merseyside, um, with three wins out of their last five um, and a big, big, big win this past weekend against Crystal Palace. Three to the final score. Oof. Look at those boys at Goodison Park handling business looking incredible. Uh, a team who everybody was putting uh, relegation uh, claims on, including uh, Raj at the Men in Blazers, who I believe is an Everton fan. H have some hope, big guy. Dominic Calvert-Lewin's handling business. Idrissa, Idrissa Gay, that little guy. Uh, yeah. no um, but most importantly, Abdullah Decore, who I think far and away is Everton's best player, um, has been putting in shift after shift as they found themselves beating the southeast or southwest London side Crystal Palace um, at Selhurst Park, mind you, over the weekend. I just wanted to give a quick kudos to Everton. Um, well done. Well done. I want to put the microscope on Burnley because they asked. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> okay. Now, that is true. They are ass. Um, <laughs> I can't deny that fact. They got destroyed. I just feel like we had a lot more expectations for Burnley this season. I want to say one thing is that we, as in the general public, not necessarily us, but I feel like Burnley came into this season <laughs> under the direction of Vincent company on some, yeah, they're back in the prem. They might could stay up. They've shown everything, but. Yeah, and I think with Burnley, they play one style of footy, and Spurs have been kind of played that same idea, and as have many other clubs, and they don't seem to have a plan B, but it's gung-ho football. They're so fun to watch. They just don't have the quality to keep up with the premise teams. They play attack-minded football. They've got the young, I think, Connecticut-born midfielder or winger, uh, Luca Coliosho who's 19 years of age and is absolutely balling. Somebody pick him up in the Premier League because he is golden. I love watching him play. But like you said, they are trash. They don't have the quality to fix up. Company doesn't seem to have tactics outside of playing gung-ho football. And week in, week out, they seem to appear like they're going to make some noise. And then they end up getting cooked 3-1 or 4-1 or 5-2 or whatever the case may be. So headed down back into the championship, uh, they seem very quickly uh, as they sit bottom of the table. Um, so you're absolutely not wrong. You're absolutely not wrong about it. Yeah, man, it, it sucks. 
because again, so many expectations, and we, I don't know, we're we're expecting them to pretty much bow out of the prem. Just park the bus, guys. Just do it. Just do it for ninety minutes. I don't know. It's okay. It's not your guys' fault. Better coaches have done it. Better teams have done it. You know, you're not going to go out sad, but I have to give some credit to Vincent Company for doing that. But you know, for Burnley. Are you guys cursed for getting rid of Sean Dyche at that moment? Who knows? Maybe. Mm. Is the Sean Dyche curse real? Perhaps. Everton mm. 14th, guys. Ooh. <laughs> way outside out of the way outside of the relegation zone, if you will. Just saying, Sean Dyche. In Dyche we trust. And by way outside of the relegation zone, we won't talk about four places, but still. Mm. So, Bundesliga, we already pretty much covered that. Bayer Leverkusen are just running the gamut. They beat uh, Leverkusen. I mean, they beat Leverkusen. How can they beat themselves? They beat Union Berlin. We made mention of that. Bayern defeated Heidenheim. It's Heidenheim. Hurricanes go to brace. And your up, Eric Maxim Chupomoting also got on the score sheet. Uh, you also made a mention that Mönchengladbach was running riot in the Friday game. Oh, they whipped some ass. Uh, Wolfsburg didn't stand a chance. That looked ugly from the out from the go. Uh, 4-0, I believe, the final score. It was never close. Mönchengladbach was having their way with Wolfsburg. Uh, an enjoyable Friday running, running game. Um, and yeah, kudos to them. Wolfsburg, sorry guys, wrong day to play Mushin Gladbach. They scored in both halves, uh, damn near almost every 10 minutes. Um, and it was it was quite the sight to see. Always in control, a beautiful match to watch. 4 0 the final score again for Borussia Mushin Gladbach. Good win. They play uh, BBB next weekend. We'll see how that goes. Speaking of, they lost to Stuttgart. They're uh, hungover from Dirk Classicer, if you will, the weekend before, where Harry Kane put another hat trick up on their uh, head top. Um, and this is the BBB that we know and love. Uh, high, Very high highs and very low lows. Uh, one thing's for certain, they're going to concede goals, and that's what they did this weekend, as you mentioned, to Stuttgart, uh, a team who also can put it on you very quickly, courtesy of that man, Sir Ugarassi, having quite the season himself. Quite the season. It's been... It's been phenomenal seeing him. Very sought after town, if you ask me, when the transfer window opens up. He's not going to stay in Stuttgart for long. That is a fact. He might end up at Bayern Munich. No, wait, just kidding. They Harry Kane. But even then, you never know. You never know. And uh, that pretty much takes care of the German top flight over to the Spanish top flight, if you will. Uh, many, many interesting score lines here, ranging from 5-1 at the Bernabeu to that 4-3 at the Samames to the 2-1 at the Barcelona Olympic Stadium. LV, where do you go? Uh, game game of the week contender for me, Atlantic Bilbao versus Celta Vigo. Celta Vigo putting at Bilbao to the sword at the San Mames. Um, Bilbao would end up with the three points after a late, late, late penalty shout. 96th minute, I believe. Literally almost the last kick of the game. Uh, it was back and forth. At, at one point, you could have assumed that Celta Vigo would, would take the three points. They were looking the more lively uh, late on in the match. But it would be Bilbao 
who would take the dub. Uh, 4-3, the final score there. That match had everything, everything on planet Earth. Um, very enjoyable. Uh, Iago Aspas getting on the score sheet. That man is still out there balling. Um, neither here nor there, but I loved every second of that. Um, and yeah. Yeah, that was a cracking match. Again, Bundesliga and the and uh La Liga competing for which Friday match gets the heart. Uh tough competition. Uh Real Madrid five on Valencia's head top. Um I saw that as well. That was bad. It, it was disgusting. Uh Carvajal scored in the third minute. I knew it was gonna be a long day. Yeah, there's gotta be some sort of stat. Whenever Carvajal scores that Real Madrid blow out the team that they're playing. Because that seems to always happen. And he only scores golazos as well, so kudos to him. Golazo. Uh, um, no Jude Bellingham in that fixture as well. Yes, no Jude Bellingham in the fixture. Let's be honest, they didn't need him. Facts. <laughs> he took that day off, and it was well worth it uh, because the other Madrid guys stepped up, including Vinny Jr., who scored another golazo. He was kind of unplayable on the day, as he normally seems to find himself uh, being, but all in all, uh, an easy win for, for uh, Madrid, and Valencia got a late consolation goal, which didn't mean a damn thing. Uh, over to Catalonia. Ah, yes, Barcelona, who literally only win in the closest of fashions. Uh, they would go down yet again, uh, this time to Alaves. Um, and it would Within take seconds, by the way, yeah. within seconds. Facts. Um, and it would take Lewandowski, a Lewandowski brace in the second half that pushed them over the hump. And that's been the, the, the tail of the take for the, their season, uh, be it Europe or be it domestically. Barcelona are not scoring goals at a rapid pace. Um, and if they are scoring, they're scoring one or two tops and they're all super late. And you can just look at that from their last five or six fixtures. Only twice have they scored more than uh, one goal. Um, and that's an all competition. If you look at it domestically, they've only scored more than one goal once in the last five or once in the last four. So by all means, not scoring many, many goals. So when they get caught slipping, it looks like a rough outing for them. And you wonder what they've got to do about that as uh, the season is only getting more harsh, if you will. Because they have to contend with teams like Girona who are top of the table. Hey, the team that we should be talking about. Girona mean business. Top of the table after the week, the match week uh, 13 is up and finished. They're actually good, huh? <laughs> They're good. That's crazy. They're not not good. Yeah, that is a fact. They are not not good. Absolutely. Two Top goals on Sto Dimitrievski for Rayo Vallecano. Um, Girona are doing what you've always wanted Rayo Vallecano to do. That is a fact. Rabbi Kano have failed me, let me down. I'll never forget it. I loved you guys at a point. And uh, maybe it was me. So I don't want to give Girona, Girona too much support because that could see uh, their downfall happen. As they do have Athletic Club to play. They do have Barcelona to play. Uh, Atletico Madrid as well. Uh, that'll be in the new year. But just before the year's over, they do have some big competition left. And uh, I think that'll give us a great idea of where they where they are, uh, if you will. They... they um, when they have come across big competition, they have gotten beat up on, if you will. Madrid did give them a 3-0 ass-whooping early, uh, earlier this season. But uh, this December will be a big test for them to actually see where their season could look like um, for the rest of the, of, the, of the year. 
It's but, you. Hi, you're the problem. It's you. It's definitely me. Absolutely. Hi, my name is LB, and I'm the problem. No, Girona are really good. I want to see them. And I don't want to speak too soon on them either. I really don't. But let's I can't Ronnie, let's leave it alone before we curse it. Let's leave it alone. Let's check back in in March, see what happens. And uh, where do we go from here? A little bit of Serie A, if you like. Uh, your Juventus did sit top of the table before this match week uh, concluded. They are now second behind Inter Milan, uh, who have won four of their last five. Juventus, on the other hand, have won five out of five. They look really good. Um, and by good, I mean solid and um, picking up points. Not spectacular by any means, but they are there after uh, a win this weekend against Cagliari, 2-1 the final score with Grayson uh, Bremer getting a goal and Daniel Rugani uh, also getting on the score sheet. Um, your thoughts, your feelings about uh, this Juventus side and their topsy-turvy life, uh, chaos uh, personified, if you will. It doesn't feel that way, surprisingly enough. I agree. Like, yeah, they're second place. That's great. It doesn't feel like it, though. And maybe it's because of all that's been going on with Juventus of late. But I, I still have faith in them. Uh, they're going to make the Champions League, I think. Uh, will they win the league? Oh, one can only hope their next match is against Inter on the other side of the international break, the Derby d'Italia. And those matches can be the ones to determine who wins the league. That is a fact. Absolute facts. Well said. I, I am in agreement with you. It doesn't it's, it doesn't feel like... Uh, and that would make it feel like old school Serie A. Sorry to cut you off. No, and I, that's the exact point that I was uh, coming to as well. It doesn't feel like old school Serie A, old school Juventus, where they just handle business. You know they're going to handle business, and it is what it is. It just doesn't feel like that. So maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Um, if I'm a Juventus fan, which I'm not, um, maybe it doesn't, it doesn't feel quite as good, but the parody is still there, but we'll see how they fare, like you said, against the you know, the big opponents, the big derbies, and where that finds them in their season. But thus far, um, you know, just two points back of Inter Milan, uh, and there's six points currently uh, in front of AC Milan, who are in third. But uh, something to keep their eye on, something else to keep your eye on, is uh, Jose Mourinho talking all that stuff, all that shit, um, and... Uh, Finishing with a classic nil-nil result in the, as we like to call at the Football Misfits, the nicotine versus dopamine derby. A lot of shit talked and a lot of nothing. Nil-nil, the final score there. Ew, that's actually my guess of the week as well. Uh, we can get into that. Um, before we do, I feel like we pretty much touched upon most of the headlining news in Europe. Um, headlining news stateside, though. We can go one of two ways. We can go Chicharito no longer being employed by the LA Galaxy. Or we can go with the National Women's Soccer League and a team in our backyard holding it down, Ovi. Let's go with the positive news. Go Gotham FC. woo Now, Gotham FC were in the NWSL final. And uh, I don't know how much of this match was marred by Megan Rapino getting hurt within three minutes of it. Say what you will about her and how divisive she is and stuff like that. Getting hurt in your final match three minutes into it has to suck. Yeah, you can't make that kind of stuff up. Um, 
a legendary career, obviously, as we all know from Megan Rapinoe, divisive or not. She, uh, you know, she was her uh, she, a complete baller, controlled football, was charismatic, uh, did it all and won it all. And you have to give her the credit. That injury is so unfortunate in that final match. She might have been able to make a difference. Um, and obviously she will go down as a legend of the game. With that being said, Gotham FC took advantage and got the dub and the cup. Yes, Lynn Williams scored the first goal. Um, that was quickly followed by Rose Lavelle for the rain. Um, but just before halftime, however, um, Esther Gonzalez, World Cup winner for Spain recently, scored, and that was a... All she wrote, Gotham FC winning the NWSL. Um, and we have our own case of worst to first. They were the they were terrible last season. <laughs> Piss poor bottom of the NWSL, and they win the league. Um, can't make this kind of stuff up, uh, to use the words you said like two minutes ago. And we I've we've said this. I've said this. This team is very talented. I will always say uh, my favorite defender is Bruninha, right back. Um, we're talking about uh, Megan Rapinoe's retirement. Lest we forget, Ali Krieger's also calling it a career, and yeah, she won her first NWSL. Oh, we love to see that, and that's how you ride out into the sunset. Big kudos to Ali Krieger as well. Big shout outs. Um. Sucks she didn't get Defender of the Year this season. She has been stout in the Gotham back line. She didn't make the first team, though, the best 11 for the NWSL. So, um, And, of course, she, she won the chip. So uh, good consolations all around. Gotham FC NWSL winners. And uh, we spoke about this a little bit pre-pod. Uh, soccer teams in New York City have been holding down the metropolitan area because recently teams like the New York Giants and the Knicks and the Brooklyn Nets and the Yankees just don't find ways of winning shit. Lest we forget the Rangers and the Islanders. What are y'all doing? The New York Jets last won before we had color TV. Yep. <laughs> before <laughs> <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets were the New York Nets of the ABA last time they won a league title. Phil Jackson was a New York Nick in the shorts and all on the court the last time uh, they won a title. So shorts riding up to your legs. That's how old. Mm -hmm. The crotch all out. Neither here nor there. And uh, the New York Red Bull haven't won anything, unfortunately. Nope. No, indeed. So, um, you know, sucks to suck. Yeah, and put some respect on soccer, holding it down, like you said, in the New York City metropolitan area, bringing the only silverware out over here in sports. That they are, and shouts to Gotham FC. Um, that just makes the 2024 season one to very much look forward to. Facts. Playoff field is expanding. We have a new team out in San Francisco. Things to look forward to. Oh, and Kansas City's opening up a new stadium. Looking forward to all that. But before we, uh, you know, get too positive, it's that time. Ooh, before we get to that time, do you want to talk about the on location at all? Oh, that's right. I did go on location. Um, hey, man. I love this experience. You know that. I do. 
there's times where I love him more than others. Honestly, this wasn't one of those times. <laughs> it was the weather. It was the weather. It was the it was the weather and the lack of goals that came with it. There we go. It was Guatemala versus Jamaica in an international friendly, and this was literally B team versus C team because obviously all the heavy hitters on either side were either benched, i.e. Niklas Hagen, goalkeeper for Guatemala, or they were in their European clubs, i.e. Mikel Antonio and Leon Bailey. Andre Blake wasn't even there. He was, you know, in MLS playoffs with the Philadelphia Union. So not really sure what to expect. But what I did expect was there being Guatemala fans out on the ready and they filled up the lower bowl. So that, that was that was good. Um and yeah, both teams had chances galore, but just couldn't convert. Final score zero zero. Um and uh yeah, that that was pretty much it. A lot of good photos to come out of it though. Mm-hmm. I know that's right. So that is my one positive takeaway. Uh, I think we're done with on locations for the year. Um, unless somehow, some way, we end up going to a game in Europe or a game anywhere else where they're playing football because the leagues are pretty much wrapping up here in the States. And uh, yeah, um, I don't see there being any more friendlies in this area. So uh, on to 2024, Elvie. Boom, pow. It's been, it's been a year of on locations, as always, like you said, we. Love the experience. We appreciate the experience. Nothing like catching some footy from that POV. And we at the Misfits uh, obviously will have more to come in the uh, in the new year. Yes. Uh, we need to get LV out to these venues more often. Facto. Me and my messed up film camera. Neither here nor there. We also have to get Spencer on these venues as well. Also facts. Whether or not he'll do it, find out in 2024. And on this note, we go to that time. Oh, yep. There we go. go. Do you have anything? I have two BS of the week, one of which we mentioned briefly. The Derby de la Capital, Jose Mourinho versus Mauricio Sarri. A lot of talk before the match. Uh, Mauricio Sarri claiming that Jose Mourinho and Roma's uh, Europa League competition was more like a friendly match than an actual European com competition night, to which Jose Mourinho said, brother, I've won 26 trophies and you've won much less than that. You don't know anything about a friendly match. Uh, this is a true competition. Uh, sure enough, uh, as Jose Mourinho's side in uh, Europe lost to Red Star Belgrade, the quote-unquote friendly side. And at the weekend, uh, after all that talk between both sides, Neither team would score a goal. Nil-nil the final score. You can't talk all that shit and not win the match or lose the match or score a goal in the match. Now, come on. Uh, you also can't talk shit about a competition that you've historically not done great in. <laughs> Boom pow. That as well. Last year, you played in the Europa League and ended up in the Conference League. Don't we remember your club president talking shit about the Conference League and y'all ended up there? Mm, 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 mm. Look at that. Um, so they so, haven't learned from their mistakes, apparently. Clearly. clearly. Clearly not. A lot of lot of shit talking. Get that man a cigarette, please. Um, and with Mourinho, if you're going to talk that shit, and being the petty mind that I know you can be, you might have lost that game on purpose on Thursday, uh, only to try to make a statement on Sunday 
and you did none of that. Nil nil, the final score. Ew. Uh, BS of the week to all parties involved uh, in that situation there. Uh, I've got one more BS of the week. This goes to Newcastle United after a loss to Bournemouth in the Premier League. Karen Trippier was found arguing with a fan, pitch side. Fan saying, you look terrible. What are we doing losing to Bournemouth? And I'm sure the fan was also riled up after having lost twice in a row in Europe to Borussia Dortmund, uh, to which Kieran Trippier commented, have you seen the injuries that we have? Have you seen the inju injuries that we have? Pipe down. Now, initially I was on Kieran Trippier's side thinking incorrectly that this time last year, Newcastle were fighting relegation. That was not the case. They were high flying. Damn near third place all season and secured Champions League very quickly. Um, now with Kieran Trippier, it's either you say nothing and you, you know, keep on pushing or you acknowledge that that was a bad game against Bournemouth and you can do better. Um, but defending your spot makes you look kind of crazy in my opinion. You guys have been high flying all season and these are not the kind of games that you should be losing. And if you do lose these kind of games, you should be ex expecting that and or should be accepting of that, which you were none of either, uh, injuries aside and such and such. So BS of the Week, Kieran Trippier, Newcastle United FC. These are the moments that you uh, pay for, that you want to be in, that you choose to be in. Don't give me no excuses now, brother. I don't want to hear it. BS of the Week. Ronnie, what you got? Uh, I wanted to give it a Nicole Jackson for celebrating a pair of tap-ins against Spurs the way he did. Thank you, goof, loser, and sky that last chance that was an, an actual chance, right? An actual striker's chance. Send it to heaven. I don't want to hear it. I, guess. <laughs> I mean, well, the match is won already, and you scored two goals late on. The last goal in particular, we did see. Fam, you won already. Bro, you suck. That's <laughs> <laughs> that, wow, that's kicking a team when they're already down. That's that's like dunking on a on a basketball team with like one tenth of a second to go, and you're up twenty. Yeah, come on, Lance Stevenson. Like Nico. Oh, I completely forgot about this. Thank you for bringing this up, Ronnie. Nico Jackson, you trash, bro. Trash. Weak ass tap in goals against nine men. Chelsea took you guys the better part of. 90 minutes to break down a team that played with nine men, high line to the heavens. All you needed was one good through ball. Why did it take you 90 minutes to do that? Nico Jackson, do an actual finish for once instead of a light little tap in. <laughs> trash, super trash. You stink. Uh, the MLS playoff format, again, I hate best of three. Like, the fuck is. Oh. You could, in theory, score more goals than your opponent and still get bounced from the playoffs. Yeah, a little backwards. And now the semifinals are set. And now we're going back to straight knockout. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Just give us straight knockouts from the jump. I'll take that, honestly. I will take straight knockouts from the jump. That'll be so entertaining. And if a match was tied in this first round... You're going straight to penalties, but it's still a best of three. Weird. It's Major League Soccer Americanizing the sport. I don't get it. I'm never going to get it. And lest we forget, we didn't know about the playoff format until like a month into the season. BS of the week 
to Major League Soccer. Boom, pal. All right. Before we wrap things up here on episode 157, do you have any shout outs, Ronnie, my brother? Um, any shout outs I have going on? Um, I guess we should shout out the FIFA competition that's taking place right now, the uh, U17 World Cup. Uh, that's going down in Indonesia. All the match day ones are complete. Uh, Iran beat Brazil 3-2. Senegal beat Argentina 2-1. Spain beat Canada 2-0. That Barcelona named Mark, he scored. Ah, uh, yes, big Mark. <laughs> Germany put three on Mexico. Uh, and uh, Nymphasa Berkimas scored two goals against South Korea for the U.S. Hey. Did I say his name right? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> uh, Charlotte FC's very own. Um, but yes, uh, my shout out is to those competing in the U17 World Cup. We'll follow it more. And again, shouts to Gotham, won the NWSL. Shouts to Ali Krieger, an outstanding career. Glad you wrapped it up with a trophy. Much deserved. Much deserved. How about you? Yeah, one quick shout out for me. This was one that happened uh, a week or so ago. Um, shout to Rebecca Welch, the first female referee to make an appearance as an official in the Premier League. Uh, she was the fourth official during uh, Manchester United's fixture against Fulham uh, on November the 3rd, so just over a week ago. Um, we love to see it. We have seen three women uh, who have worked as assistant referees in the Premier League, but this is the first time we've seen a fourth official uh, pitch side at a Premier League game. Uh, boom, pow. Shout out to Rebecca Welch. We'd love to see it. Historic. And in some respects, long overdue. Facts. And uh, with that being said, thank you all for listening to episode 157 of the Football Misfits podcast. Thank you for interacting with us on social media at Instagram. We're trying to get as frequent and with the posting as we have. And thanks for checking out On Location on Saturday night. Um, episode 158 is right around the corner. So for our guys, Spence in Mexico on a mission. And LV, I go by the name of Ronnie. Do stay strong. Be eternally brave. And adios. Woo-wee!